Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, City Church. Thank you for joining us this morning. Welcome to part two of a series that we have called Live the Life. This series is going to take us all the way up to Easter, and I want to remind you again, be thinking about who you can invite to Easter. We don't know yet if we're going to be in person for Easter gatherings or not, but we are for sure and forever now, uh, from as we go forward, going to be online. But it's never been easier to invite someone to church this Easter. So just be thinking about that. Maybe a, a family member or a co worker or somebody in your neighborhood, you can let them know about our Easter service coming up, obviously, April the 4th, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Be thinking about who that person is. Be praying for them. We're going to have some digital invites for you available to make it super easy for you to invite them. But let's be thinking about that as we move to uh, Easter Sunday. But also, before Easter Sunday, as we mentioned, we have Good Friday service. That's going to be super special. You don't want to miss that on Good Friday. We're going to be broadcasting live at 10 a.m. that day. Now, as we are in the season of the church and life, and as we are moving forward, uh, what I would ask of you right now, we're making a bunch of choices and doing a bunch of things different, that you would pray for us as a church family and as our leadership team and our staff team here at the church. There's a lot of decisions that we're making. And then as uh, we're thinking about regathering, as we are moving towards regathering without a specific date in mind yet, we obviously know that we are closer to it than we are farther away from it. I just want to reach out again to our city team and just to remind you that we can't do church without you. And as we move closer to in-person gatherings, man, you're going to have another opportunity to serve, to be part of our servant leadership team. And then also, if you are a part of our church family, we wanted to remind you that you can be part of the city team. We actually have some great opportunities as we move forward. All of the traditional areas that we have been, uh, that our city team has served in, we have a lot more areas areas now with all of the tech stuff that we're doing, with all of the online presence that we have. For those of you that like to work behind a camera, behind a computer, we're going to have a lot of opportunities for you, uh, for you to gather and, and to be a part of that team. So be thinking about that and be praying about what are the areas that I can serve as we move forward to in-person gatherings. So let's just pray before we get into this message today. Father God, we just love you today. We thank you, Lord, that as we learn about your life, God, we want your life to flow through us and in us and be a blessing to other people. God, we just lean into your word today that we can move closer to you as we look at your word this morning. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, now when we think about life, the series is called Live the Life. Do we take it for granted that we are alive we, we do. We're like, oh, I get to live. But when we think about life itself, that we are animated beings. This is what the word life means. It is the principle or force that is considered to underlie the detective quality of animated beings. It's kind of a hard definition. But there's just that life force in each human and in each animal and in each living creature 
in the world, where does it come from? Well, it actually comes from God. Another simple definition is what is living moves and what is dead ceases to move. So we get to live. We are moving around. And as we see in the scripture, God breathed into Adam. And what did he breathe into Adam's lung? He breathed into Adam the electricity, I like to call it, the electricity of life right now in your brain and in your body and in your heart. It is infused with the life of God. You are alive. Can I get an amen today? You're alive. It's a good thing. (laughs) Divine life that is flowing right now in your brain. I'm going to talk for a second about your brain and how amazing your brain is that is just full of the life of God. According to computer scientists at Stanford University, a robot uh, that would process and be as intelligent or possibly as intelligent as your human brain would need at least 10 megawatts of electricity to work properly. Now, the average home uses 11 megawatts per year. Think about that. When we think about processing power of computers, what happens with computers? They get really hot. And so to create a computer that would function like your brain would need all of this power, that the same amount of power that functions your home in a whole year, that's how much power would be needed to function a computer that operates like your brain. There are billions of neurons in the brain. Enough power is created by the neurons in your brain to actually light a light bulb. So if there was some sort of mechanism that could be created uh, attached to your body that we could plug in a light bulb, there would be enough electrical activity in your brain to light that light bulb. So much energy is being created and it's operating so fast faster than any of the world's uh, computers, that the information that goes from your brain, for example, from your brain to your leg, travels at 240 kilometers per hour. So it's basically immediate. And this the life of God flowing in our bodies from our brains. It is impossible to precisely calculate how fast the human brain operates, but it operates at approximately one exaflop Speed. Now, does anyone know what an exaflop is? I don't know either. Google it, but I'm going to tell you before you Google it. It means one billion billion calculations per second that the life of God is just teeming in your brain to cause all of this to happen. Now, when you think about your brain, what, what, what does your brain consist of? 75% of your brain is water. Everybody needs a trick take a drink of water at home because you don't want to get dehydrated because you want your brain to function properly. 75% of your brain is water. It's also gray matter. And your your brain actually has a high cholesterol level. Now, it's the good cholesterol, not the bad one. And that's just a bunch of fat cells and gray matter and all of these things. It's about three pounds. And it's just teeming with the life of God. Unlike computers, your brain assembles itself that God has caused life to happen in your body so that you can have a brain that it, ex- that it assembles itself. Your brain can be rewired. We've heard a lot in recent years about neuroplasticity, that you can rewire your brain. If you have a bunch of bad habits and different things like that, you can rewire your brain and produce good habits in your life. Your brain controls and regulates every function that keeps you alive. Your brain 
on a cellular level is infused with the life of God. But think about this. The life of God is infused in my brain, but does the life of God consume my mind? Such an important question. We are alive. Our brains are functioning with all of the things that we just read with the life of God. We didn't create our brains. But what we're using our brain for is what we are thinking about. Are we thinking about the life of God, the ways of God? Because those are the things that we want to infuse into our lives and into the lives of our loved ones and the people that we know and the people that we work with. We want to have the life of God operating. We don't want to have all of this electricity happening in our bodies, which is the life of God. But God wants us to live according to his life. The last series we talked about saved was talking all about the provision of God in our lives. But this series is all about the directions and the directives that God gives us for our lives. John chapter 10 verse 10 says this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. This is why Jesus came, that we would have this abundant life. The word abundant just means exceedingly abundantly. Something further, more, superior, extraordinary, uncommon. This is why Jesus came. Not that so we would just exist and have all of this electricity happening in our bodies, the life of God, that we would actually live uncommon lives as followers of Jesus. That word life, the Greek word is zoe. It just means every living soul, the absolute fullness of life. Not just living, not just existing, but living fully in every way, the way God designed life to be. Both essential and ethical, which belongs to God, active. The life of God, it actually means devoted to God. Paul comments on this in Romans chapter 8 when he says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. So we see two things here, that God is taking the mess, the chaos in our lives that he didn't create, but he is ordering it for his good. And then he says to us that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And this is where we discover life. Jesus came that we would have abundant life. Following Jesus gives us abundant life. Now we're going to look at a very famous portion of scripture here in the Old Testament that talks all about our choices because the scripture tells us that God wants us to choose life, the life that he gives. Now the book of Deuteronomy, I remember from Bible school, has, has three uh, specific themes. It's remember, obey, and take heed. So it's right before they're going into the promised land. Moses gets everybody together and just be like, hey, remember all the mistakes that we made? Let's not repeat those mistakes. And let's remember the laws of God. Let's remember the life of God so we don't do all of these same stupid things again. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life. We get to choose something. We don't, we don't get to choose to have a brain and have electricity flowing through it, the life of God happening in us, but then God is saying something, that he offers something to us. He offers, offers to us his 
way of life. Choose life that you and your offspring may live. Now, he's not just talking about existing. He's talking about living the life of God. Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life. God gives us life, and then he gives us the way of life. And length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So our mind, the real us, is thinking through our brain and is making choice after choice. And then what is God's big, simple, obvious encouragement to us? Choose life. Here are these things. Here's these things that we are choosing every day. There's life and there's death. There's blessing and cursing. God says, hey, I got a big hint for you. Choose life. Choose the way of life. Don't insert death into your living. Don't insert curses into your choices. So he's encouraging us, man, to live the life of God. Last week we talked about the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so that's our lives. Every day we get to make these choices. And so the question is for us, what could be affecting my choices? Even though God is giving me the ability and the will to choose these things, what could be affecting my choices? What are uh, the, the parts of my humanity? What are the parts of the world around us that could cause us, even though we wouldn't want to do it, or we hopefully shouldn't want to choose cursing or the bad thing, that we would actually want to choose life, the thing that God is telling us to choose. All of these influences around us. Now, one of my favorite Old Testament stories is about a guy named Naaman, and he was a Syrian captain and so the Bible tells us about he, you know, is this great military leader and he's done all of these things, but then the scripture tells us, but he had leprosy. So even though he was successful in his job, so to speak, and what he was doing, he had this very difficult situation in his body. And the story in the scripture says, you know, that in one of his uh, different times when they were invading another nation, they actually brought back a little Israelite girl to live in their house, to be a servant in their house. And she saw that Naaman had leprosy. So this, this servant girl was talking to Naaman's wife, and she's like, you know, there's a prophet in Israel that Naaman could go, and he could just get healed. So Naaman has this idea that he's going to go to his king, the Syrian king, and they're going to send a letter. They're going to make this a national event. I'm going to come, and I want the prophet to heal me. So it's like these two kings having this conversation through letters. And then the story picks up here in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 7. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I a god? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See now, he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. So what the king of Israel thought was happening is that they were, this was a subtle way or a secretive way to pick a fight. And so they're going to go to war if somehow this guy can't be, you know, be healed. Because this is like a national event now that Naaman is sick. And they're going to send Naaman to Israel so that he can get healed. But listen in verse 8. When Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his, his robes, very expressive, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. In other words, Elijah's like, no problem. This is no problem for God. Okay, relax, quit tearing your clothes, send him to me. 
verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. I love this story. Could you imagine this? Now, if you think about it, you know, horses and chariots, but you know, Naaman is rolling up in his limo with the flags, the Syrian flags on the front, the whole entourage, the secret service is getting out because he has a whole plan of how this is going to go. He's going to get healed, but he has a very specific way for this healing to happen. He's showing him, man, this is, this, this is a big national event, Israel and Syria, and someone's going to get healed. But listen to what happens. Elisha sent out a messenger now, this is not what you think happens when the limos roll up with the flags on the front of the limos. There's pomp and circumstance. Like, everybody should come out and they should be well-dressed. But what does Elisha do? He sends out his servant, sort of the lowest person on the, you know, on the rung of the corporate ladder. And, hey, I got a message for Naaman. What is the message? Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. And he was like, what, what is happening? I'm here in my limo, representing Syria, and you're sending me this person out? I had a whole plan. And you're just telling me to go to dip in the Jordan? And what the dipping in the Jordan represents and what we're talking about is the life of God, the ways of God. So what happened? What is the story here? Verse 11, but Naaman went away angry. Why? He had a plan. He thought it was going to be something else. The King James says Naaman was wroth, super angry, not happy. He's there, his chariots and his horses, and it didn't go the way he wanted it to go. Could you think how in your life, Maybe just in this past year, that life didn't go the way you wanted it to go. And what is the potential there for us? We could just get really angry. Now, when we think about the life of God, the ways of God, we know that God has something, a way for us, his life to partake of every day. But here, Naaman had a plan. He thought it was going to be one way, and it wasn't that way. And he said, verse 11, continuing, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. He thought Elisha was going to go full flamboyant televangelist on him and there were, this, this was going to be like a, an amazing event happened. He was going to wave his hand. It was going to be dramatic. The drama didn't happen. Send out a servant, go dip in the Jordan and you'll experience healing. He was not happy at what happened. Verse 12, and this is what he says now. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. So now he's like, I don't even like the Jordan. The rivers in my country are way better, Elijah. Anyway, why would I dip in one of your rivers? I'm going to go back to my home country. My rivers are better than your rivers. It's like World Cup anger discussions. So he went off. He was angry. He was in a rage. Now, we know the end of the story. We know he's going to get healed. But he's about to miss out on the life of God because of a choice. He's got all this stuff going on. 
so angry. His plan didn't work out. Life didn't work out the way he thought it should. He was angry. He was frustrated. Verse 13. Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? So this guy probably waited till Naaman calmed down a little bit. Just kind of, hey, here's a thought for you. If he had asked you to do something amazing and dramatic, wouldn't you have done it? Why? Because what is the thing that you want? You want to be healed. If you had done this dramatic thing, you would have said yes. And then he said, how much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleansed? So Naaman went down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Naaman almost missed out on the life of God, not the life of God happening in his brain and in his heart and his body, but the ways of God because of a choice he was going to make. And what was affecting his choices that almost had him choose death, that almost had him choose cursing? It was, first thing, it was anger. Just angry. It was disappointment that became anger. I thought it was going to be this way, and it wasn't. I thought you were going to do this, and you didn't do it. Simple anger, man, can get us off of the choices that God wants us to make. And this is the world we live in. There's so many things. You watch the news. You can have an experience with another human, somebody you work with. And what can happen? Anger. And the anger almost caused him to choose something than other than what God wanted for him. What was the next thing we see? He was offended. How do we know he was offended? He's like, I thought this. I thought that surely he would do this. And that's the road to offense for all of us. I thought you would treat me like this, but then you didn't do it. And I'm offended. I'm bothered by that. I'm holding that. That offense almost caused him to choose something that wasn't the life of God. Here's another thing that we faced. Unrealistic, unrealistic expectations for the other humans in our lives. We have these high expectations, especially in the church. We have so many expectations for how people should treat me because we know how the scripture tells and teaches all of us to treat each other and then somebody falls short in that area. Got these expectations for Elijah that he would do something because he's the prophet of God and then he didn't do it. And that expectation almost caused him to choose a curse. Last thing was pride. Aren't the rivers in my country better than the River Jordan? Man, that pride could just cause us to choose the wrong thing. And all of these things we face, anger, offense, unrealistic expectations, pride, this is the human experience. And all of those things potentially could move us away from the life of God, not the electricity happening in my brain but the life that God wants us to live. See, what motives are driving 
my decisions. This is what God was talking to the children of Israel about. Here, here are these two things. But I want you to choose life. What is God saying? He's motivating our decisions. Anger shouldn't. Pride shouldn't. Offense shouldn't. But we're going to face all of these things. People not living up to what we thought they should do. All of these things are going to happen to us because we live in a broken world. So we want all of those things to motivate our decisions. What do we want to motivate our decisions? God saying to us, choose life. See, we overestimate the current state of my feelings to somehow represent the reality of the will of God for me. I feel something, so that must be the will of God. No, no, God is speaking to us. Here's this and here's this, but I want you to choose life. Our, our choices should be motivated by God, not all of these other things. So how am I going to have God to motivate my choices? First thing, we're going to have to pause, and we're going to have to be humble, and we're going to have to ask. Because even if we take any of those four things, let's say we're angry. Man, it could just take us. We could just go and we want to tell somebody about how angry we are. We're going to tweet it out. We're going to put it on our Instagram. We're going to tell the world about how angry we are. But to find out the voice of God, we need to pause, and we need to be humble, and we need to ask God. King David was famous for doing this, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 19. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. His, what was he doing? I'm inquiring of you, God. Same chapter. They had a victory. The same chapter. David comes again to inquire of the Lord. So you have a victory. You might think, I'm, hey, I did this on my own. I don't need to ask God this time. I made this decision, and look how good it turned out. Same chapter. David, verse 22. The Philistines came up yet again. Sort of the same circumstance. And spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, you shall not go up. Go around to the rear and come up against the opposite of the balsam trees. So different direction that God gave. See, we do something once and we find success and we kind of get a little bit proud. I made that choice on my own. Look how amazing I am. But David had enough humility. Even though the circumstance looked similar, what did he do? Inquire of the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. See, what happens to us when all of these other things that I mentioned in the Naaman story, the Naaman story come and they affect our emotions? And all of these things can drive our decisions. What is the advice here in the scripture? Let the peace of Christ rule in our heart. That I'm not consulting the things that are just going on in my mind from the effects of the world. I don't want to let the peace of God rule in my heart. This idea is let peace be the umpire. Let peace decide. Not anger, not pride, 
Not my expectations for the humans that disappointed me. Not my offense. I'm going to let peace be the umpire. And that's what we need to do. We need to pause when things are racing and life is going crazy. We need to pause and be humble and inquire of the Lord and let peace be the umpire. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Acknowledging God so that I'm not letting anger drive my life. I'm not letting frustration drive all of my choices. I'm not letting all of the humans who disappoint me drive my life. I'm going to acknowledge God because what is he going to do? He's going to make my path straight. See, Naaman was about to walk away from the life of God because of stuff we all face. So we know what that's like. We felt all of those things. But God is the one who's going to make straight our paths. We have to inquire of him. Second thing is this. We've got to pause. The reason I keep saying pause is because all of these emotions, man, they can swirl in our hearts and our minds. We've got to pause, and we've got to be humble, and we've got to ask godly people. Have conversations with people. Hey, this is what I feel like is going on in my heart. That I, I, I feel like this is what God is speaking to me. And I know that all these other things are going on. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says this. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. We just think something is right because this is the way we see it and we might just be angry. We just might be offended. But a wise man listens to advice. Maybe somebody else can see something we can't. And man, this is so true. We think of a story about a friend that we know that has the wrong boyfriend or the wrong girlfriend. And like everybody can see it. And you're like, bro, can't you see what the problem is here? And it's like, they're no, uh, she's just so beautiful. And we're like, no, there's other problems. There's other issues going on. But a fool is going to see that in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs chapter 11 to verse 14, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. And that's why at the beginning of this, I said godly people. You need to have counselors in your life, people that can speak into your life, but you want them to be godly. You want them to be, their lives to be going in the same direction as yours. In other words, following Jesus. Last thing, as we finish, we're going to seek inquire of the Lord. We're going to pause. We're going to want to know what he's saying. We're going to pause and we're going to have conversations with people that we know are godly. But then here's the final thing. We need to listen for questions about our choices. We need to listen for questions about our choices. First Kings chapter 19 verse 11. And God said, go out stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces of the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And this is such a great thought for us about the leading of the Spirit. We're actually going to deal with this in more detail in our Bible study in coming weeks. But just this idea of God speaking to us. Verse 13, And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak. In other words, he got alone with God. And went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Listen for the questions about your choices. There was an earthquake and there was a fire and there was all of these things. There was all of these dramatic things happening in his life. But then the voice of God came to him and asked him a question. A little bit what we're seeing here is that he, God wanted Elijah to reason through his choices. Yes, God is going to lead us and guide us. But God is not going to do this somehow separate from our thinking. He's wanting us to reason our way to the life of God. Look, there's life, there's death. I want you to choose life. Is the choice that I'm making going to bring the life of God into my life or is it going to bring death? Is it going to bring a curse if I do this? God is asking us about our choices. Pause, be humble, listen to the questions about your choices. Because God has something to say about everything we're doing so that we don't let anger dominate us and our choices. And we don't let offense dominate us and our choices. And we don't let the disappointment in the other humans that we know dominate us and affect our choices. We don't let pride dominate us and affect our choices. See, God is leading us. He is giving us wisdom. He wants us to get to the things that he has for us. How are we going to get to those things? By walking out the life of God in our life. Let's just pray. Father God, we just thank you. We just thank you that you want to help us to choose life. God, we know that we are affected by all of these things. Sometimes we face disappointing circumstances with situations and with people. God, we don't want to let all of those things be the dominant voice in our lives. We want your voice to be the dominant voice in our lives. We want to choose the life you give us. We want to live your life. God, we just thank you that you are helping us, Lord, by your spirit, that you are helping us in the godly relationships that we have. Because we we don't want to choose cursing. We don't want to choose death. We want to choose the life that you have for us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you are watching today, you have never taken a first step in your relationship with God. A relationship with God and it's life. The giver of life wants to have a relationship with you to give you life. The gospel, the good news is all about Jesus, that he came and he lived a sinless life. He died in the cross. God raised him from the dead. And because of all of that, God offers us a relationship with himself. We don't have a relationship with God because we're perfect, because we aren't. 
We don't have a relationship with God because we can create some sort of religion and then offer it to God. And then we think maybe God will accept my religion. No, God has come down to us and offers us a relationship. It's just a gift. And all we have to do is say yes. So I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me just as a starting point in your relationship with God. So wherever you are, just bow your head and pray and repeat this prayer after me. God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could experience the life that you give. God, today I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at City Church GTA. Thanks again for joining us.